Welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checkered to Green, the podcast all about racing is told by three lifelong racing fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 14, part one. I am Elliot Tardiff, alongside my colleagues, David Maudie and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. So uh, it is a, well, it has been a nice day, but now a little stormy down here in North Carolina, and um, that doesn't bode well, uh, or at least hasn't uh, thus far this evening for uh, the Xfinity race up in Martinsville uh, this evening. Matter of fact, they had a, uh, they had two tornado worn storms uh, not too far away from the track. One uh, that uh, slid just south of it and then another one that slid just to the north and east of it and went down towards Stanville and then uh, kind of straddled the North Carolina, Virginia state line. So um, thus far, uh, a little bit of lightning concern there and um, then they're going to get that cleared out and it looks like they're going to go racing here before too much longer. Well, it's definitely a nice time up here in Syracuse. Nice weather. It's been great the past few days. We've been in the 70s, 80s. Gotta love short weather, getting to go outside, doing stuff and right now I got the window in my office open and getting a fresh breeze in here. So, gotta love the weather now up in New York State. What? How about you, Fuzz? Oh, man, no complaints over here in Buffalo, New York. This past Thursday, we broke the all-time temperature record with a recorded temperature of 84 degrees, knocking out the old record by a considerable margin, which was 76 degrees. Bright, sunny, that little taste of summer that really makes you realize how much you miss it. So, you'll hear no complaints out of me. 84 in, in April in Buffalo. That's exceptional. Hey, White, sir. And and now I will, I will tell you on the side, I, you know, I've golfed here and there. I know Ryan has. And Ryan, I think it's about time to get the, the clubs out and start some practicing. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So... I know it's been a while between episodes. We've had a little little rest period here and a lot of racing action. So, gentlemen, how about we kick it off? We had three NASCAR races, including a dirt race at Bristol. Elliot, let's talk about it. Yes, sir. Um, So starting with uh, the race in Phoenix a few weeks ago, uh, that one was won by Martin Truex over Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and Chase Elliott. Um, Truex led for 64 laps, uh, passing Logano, who dominated most of the race, leading 143, um, and uh, doing so with about 25 laps to go and marching off to the win. Um, other notables... Um, Uh, Ryan Blaney finished top 10. Um, Kevin Harvick finished sixth. Kurt Busch finished 15th. Matt DiBenedetto was 14th. And Bubba Wallace in the 
2311 uh, entry brought it home 16th as well. Um, so this one, by and large, I think was uh, kind of a, a Toyota kind of day. Um, again, Logano had a strong run, uh, at least for um, uh, a good part of it, but Truex in the end just had too strong a car and uh, brought it home for his first win of the year. Um, if uh, we recall the last episode we did, we talked about how some of these um, mainstay drivers that are usually at the top of the standings every year, that a lot of them have yet to win. And Truex was one of the ones that we pegged to win soon. And he got it done that very same weekend. Um, so gentlemen, your thoughts? I mean, Phoenix, I mean, Phoenix was a good race. It, it was really good racing throughout uh, the, the whole weekend, you know, Truex winning it, um, you know, keeping the, the streak of, you know, first time winners this season going. And I mean, you know, something we talked about, you know, with Gibbs, um, something, you know, with Gibbs this, this season was either they, they start out well in a race and they all, all have their issues and don't do well, or they, they start bad and then they may, you know, they come at it at the end, but come up short. Truex, they just, I think, had, you know, he had a really good race there and that was, that was really good for him to, to get the win. Indeed. Uh, then the, uh, the following weekend, they went off to, um, I think, a lot of people's uh, favorite track on the circuit, and that is Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and this was an interesting race throughout. Um, Kyle Larson looked like he was on his way to dominating this race. Um, but as we got to late in the race, um, his, uh, his car's handling started to go away and um, he got behind um, the car of Joey Logano who was struggling to stay on the lead lap at the time. Um, and some were saying that, you know, maybe he was uh, um, doing everything he could to keep Kyle Larson behind him, maybe blocking, you know, it depends on uh, whose car you're a fan of or what your point of view is on, on any, any of these drivers. Um, and, uh, but either way, Larson's handling went away and in came Ryan Blaney, uh, who passed him late in the race and scooted away for his first win of 2021 over Larson, Alex Bowman finishing third, Denny Hamlin once again, um, up in the mix, finishing fourth, Kyle Busch, um, having a solid day finishing in the fifth spot. Uh, Kevin Harvick was a non-factor all day. Um, hampered in part by a flat tire that he had to pit under green to fix. He ended up coming home 10th. Um, Chris Buescher had a solid day in the 17 car. He finished seventh. Um, last week's winner, Truex, finished ninth. Matt Benedetto brought it home 11th, improving the performance of the 21 car over the rotten start of the season they had. Ryan Newman had a solid 13th place run, uh, so a good weekend overall for the, the Roush Fenway group, uh, Joey Logano after um, finishing runner up to Truex in Phoenix finished 15th um, at Atlanta and Bubba Wallace uh, again, finishing 16th 
Uh, Daniel Suarez put the Trackhouse Motorsports car in the top 20, um, as did Michael McDowell, our Daytona 500 winner, and Eric Almarola rounded out the top 20. Uh, so, gentlemen, your thoughts on Atlanta? Well, I, I, I got to say with Atlanta, I mean, Larson, I thought we were going to have our first repeat winner the way Larson dominated that race. And thinking how, um, you know, the week before, you know, in Phoenix, that was the other thing was with Hendrick that, you know, were they, you know, were they going to keep this win streak going where they had won two races in a row as a team, you know, where they go in a third one, they didn't, but were we going to get our first repeat winner and the mile and a half, these cookie cutter tracks, Larson's going to be a factor, I think this year at those. And again, great racing. Um, I, I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I did see the end of it. Um, I saw Larson dominate, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I think we're seeing a different trend this year without the practice and the qualifying. I think you're starting to see a trend of it's anybody's game right now. You know, Indeed. anyone can win it. And that proved the following week at Bristol, um, Ryan, did you have any thoughts about Phoenix or Atlanta? In regards to Atlanta, I agree with the two of you. Honestly, I thought Larson was a shoe in for the win. Do we ever figure out why he suddenly got loose near the end? Uh, um, I think he just overused his tires. Um, that's you know, what Atlanta's... I suspected, but I didn't hear any confirmation therein, so I was kind of curious. Yep. But yeah, I thought just like Dave pointed out that he was going to be our first repeat winner this year, but with uh, another first time winner on the board, it's just going to show this season's anybody's season still. Indeed. So we were to that point, um, six races and six different winners. So um, would we see the same thing play out the following week at the dirt race in Bristol? Well, we had to wait a, a, an extra full day to find out. Um, as there was a lot of severe weather and um, hail not too far away from the racetrack um, and a lot of flooding rain um, that uh, struck much of Tennessee, not just Bristol, but uh, much of Tennessee as well, including Nashville, uh, where tragically there was some loss of life um, due to uh, severe flash flooding um, in the greater Nashville area. Uh, and sadly, that's not the first time that's happened uh, to them. And, you know, it happened again. Uh, and in uh, up in Bristol, uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of flooding on the property. And much like what happened at Martinsville a few, a few years ago with the snow there. Um, once the, the weather cleared, um, it took them a little while to get the facility to where they could safely host people. Um, and so they uh, um, wisely pushed the racing back um, uh, a full day so they could get that done, uh, let the water recede and uh, get the get the facility ready to host racing. Um, it was a Herculean task to get the track itself ready to go um, with all of the rain that fell and the damage it did to the, the dirt surface. Um, but the, 
with a good staff at Bristol Motor Speedway um, were up to the task and they had um, a track ready to go and uh, put on um, a, a really excellent race. Um, it was um, a little bit troublesome at first and to, you know, to some extent, this was kind of a concern going into it with the dust. There was a lot of uh, a lot of dust to the point where uh, visibility was becoming an issue um, to the point where they did away with double file restarts midway through the race, uh, just because it was um, there were so many cars in a, uh, a smaller uh, part of the track that it was kicking up so much dust, nobody could see anything. And so it was becoming a real safety issue. They uh, switched to single file from then on. Um, and as the race went on, the, the uh, dust problem began to go away. Um, and you had something that almost looked like um, an asphalt race as the, the track was continuing to get rubbered up um, and dry out. So um, that allowed for uh, some of the drivers that had no dirt experience whatsoever to do really, really well in this race. Um, and the one that did the best was Joey Logano, uh, who scooted out ahead of everybody and um, got out ahead of Denny Hamlin, who was not very happy with how Logano raced him and uh, was hoping to um, kind of repay him on a late restart. That never happened. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who um, made his name on the dirt circuit before coming to NASCAR, um, got by him and was uh, um, starting to track down Logano, but just simply ran out of laps. Um, so Logano takes the inaugural uh, Bristol dirt race uh, checkered flag with Stenhouse Jr. second, Hamlin third, Daniel Suarez, another driver who had no dirt racing experience going into this weekend. Uh, bringing the Trackhouse Racing team um, their first top five, um, also um, leading 58 laps and um, having an exceptional day for the number 99 team, sponsored by Camping World this weekend as well. Ryan Newman finished fifth um, with Byron, Reddick, Blaney, Eric Jones uh, in the 43 and Chase Elliott rounding out the top 10. Uh, Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 winner, finishing 12th. Matt Benedetto 13th. Um, the Bush brothers, 16th and 17th. Kevin Harvick finishing 15th. Um, and Chase Briscoe rounding out the top 20 um, with a, uh, a very eventful day for the 14 car. Uh, a lot of wrecks in this race, a lot of hard hits. Um, Eric Almarola being one, Kyle Larson being one as well. Um, although Larson was able to soldier on finishing 29th. So with all that said, um, what were, what were y'all's thoughts on the first dirt weekend in, what was it? Over 50 years, I think. Um, what did y'all think? I, I liked it. I, I liked it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it was good race. I think once they figured out it was really good um, with Ricky Stenthouse, um, I, I got to say, I think if they had another green white checkered, he was going to get, he would have got Logano. Um, you know, 
I, I know they had their growing pains with the dirt race. Um, some criticisms with the dirt, even the truck race. Um, you know, th th there's been some criticisms about it. But, you know, it's just like, and, and I can, you know, I've got some other thoughts for down the road on it. But it, it was it was good race. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I'm glad they did it. And I think everyone got a real treat for it. Um, my only thought is, you know what, if you're going to do it, uh, if you're going to do it again down the road, um, do it as a night race. I think the one issue would be the sun and the kick up with dirt, but great racing and seven different winners. So it keeps, you know, it, it again, I think that's, that's, I think we're going to see a lot of different winners this year and fewer repeat winners, but Brian, your thoughts. I'll be honest, after 51 years, it was really good to see a dirt race back on the uh, cup circuit. I think the dynamic and the different nuances of that racing style really made it more exciting than your usual Bristol race, which tends to be pretty exciting in and of itself. And I agree with the observations of the two of you. I think if there was just a couple more laps tops, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. would have been the one winning that race. But as you pointed out, Elliot just ran out of laps. But you could tell by the end he wanted it pretty bad. Yes, sir. Um, and along the way, um, I'm sure uh, some uh, some hurt feelings and some tempers, and I'm sure um, maybe some payback uh, for the coming weekend in Martinsville. But speaking of being out of time. Uh, the checkered segment, uh, the checkered flag has fallen and it's time for us to pack up and get out of the garage before they close it. So um, Brian's going to tell us all about our social media program uh, and where to interact with us and where to listen to our podcast. This is from Checkered to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Your feedback is what helps us drive this program. So if you're enjoying, keep the conversation going. Join us on our Facebook group, From Checker to Green podcast, or link up with us on Twitter. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Let us know. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Tell us about it. And if you're enjoying this episode, listen to the rest of our episodes. You can find us on podcasts.com or on Apple Podcasts, looking for From Checker to Green Podcast. Hope to hear from you soon. And now, back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Welcome back, race fans. And we are going to kick off the Spotlight segment, talking actually about a person who has started to make a name for himself in the racing world. Uh, if you ever watch CNBC or have visit Camping World, um, and you may have heard of this name, uh, Marcus Limonis. 
and Marcus Lamonis. Um, I was actually um, introduced to what Marcus Lamonis does um, through my finance class when I was going for my master's or my MBA, um, The Profit. And he um, is really good. And, and we're going to have a, a good discussion here about Marcus Lamos and his effect in all racing. But if you haven't seen The Prophet or you haven't heard of what Marcus Lamonis does is he takes his time to invest in small business. If you see The Prophet, what, what he has done, it, what he does is he gets these app video applications for small businesses and he goes and helps them. You know, these businesses that are struggling that, that, or are failing. And he goes in, sees what they, what they do, takes an assessment, and then comes up and offers them, uh, you, know, you know, like 100 grand for 50% of the company or 51%, or sometimes it's been a 40% or some percentage. And then maybe there's some uh, ROI return of investment on there he may tack into. And he tries to see if they have the encouragement to do this, if they will actually listen to him. If they do, great. He signs a check, you know, he, he works with them and he might go and talk to, you know, during the episode, he may show them to other businesses that he's ran or some of his own businesses. Um, the other what, other thing that um, if it doesn't work out, maybe the person walks away or he walks away because he knows it's not a good deal, but he's a really smart businessman. And most recently, if if you've heard of his name and you're an auto racing fan, you may have heard of him. You may have heard Camping World as a sponsor for NHRA. Um, he's Camping World is the sponsor of the Truck Series. He's uh, Camping World sponsors a college football bowl. Um, they, they've sponsored races. He sponsors race cars. And so, gentlemen, let's have a talk about what Marcus Lamonis has done with NHRA and NASCAR and the Truck Series. And um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna kick off a couple things here. Let's um, let's start with the. Uh, um, let, let's start with the truck series and then we'll work our way to the NHRA because he's been more involved with the truck series much longer. And an article in the Washington Post, and it was by Jenna Fryer, um, he has, <clears throat> he has, um, he's, He's been, his company's been the title sponsor of the truck series since 2008. And the biggest thing he did last month was help a bunch of teams by saying, hey, I'm going to put 
anyone who puts my sponsorship on, we're going to have a monetary bonus fund that awards money to crew members that, um, you know, that awards them to crew members, you know, as well as their emergency fund um, for, for teams that were short on cash. Um, And some of this, some of the things out of it was for Vegas, the bonus, he had 15 K for any truck that had the camping world paint scheme or camping world draft for a top 10 finish, 25 K for, or yeah, 20 or sorry, 15 K for any truck that had the sponsorship. If it, if they finished in the top 10 with that sponsor, they got 25 K and then they got 30 K for top five. And if they won it, they got 50 K from him. Um, the article did also mention he had an emergency fund for teams who had trouble making it to the track. Um, he's, you know, he recognized the difficulty it financially in the truck series, uh, 500k in cash and prizes, um, is going to be give to the champion. They get a new truck, which is electric and a electric RV, um, classy RV. Um, the article kind of also mentioned about he he's looked at a racing business model. He's seen how it's flawed, and if he had a seat at the table, he would um, actually have the trucks run on the same day as Cup. And that's because he feels that the cup is a premier event. And so if it's a premier event, why not have a lower series there? Um, just like a rock concert, if you think you see the war, you know, you see the pre-band. Um, for example, um, when I saw Nickelback, um, they had you know, at Darien Lake, well, they had Hinder and Papa Roach as a, um, as opening acts. So, you know, kind of something like that. Um, and when the contract comes up for renewal, he's actually thinking of pushing for, to get the truck raids moved and push this model. So guys, let's talk about the truck series, what he's done for this. He's been an exceptional um, ambassador um, and, you know, truly um, a, a, a real supporter um, of stock car racing and motorsports in general. Um, he's, he's one of these people that has a keen eye for getting eyeballs um, to look at his businesses. Um, and he sees that there's no no more efficient way of doing that um, than investing in motorsports. Um, and the fact that he's been a part of the truck series as long as he has um, is testament to that. Um, and, you know, there was a time where um, he almost wasn't. Uh, there was some controversy in 2016 um, about some uh, political postures that 
um, the then NASCAR CEO was uh, was making, and uh, that didn't sit well with uh, uh, with Lamonis, um, and so that 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 was a dicey period. But um, the uh, the relationship remained, um, and uh, he's still he's still here, and he's doing some amazing things in uh, in, in NASCAR, and in particular the the Truck Series. Um, that uh, you know he he. Um, uh, you know, took all of these unsponsored trucks that, you know, uh, it's not an easy time to find sponsorship right now, not an easy time to, uh, you know, scrounge up money to, um, you know, put tires on it and uh, take it out to the track and go race. And uh, he did. And it was a, um, a really, uh, you know, it was a notable thing to see um, a title sponsor of a, of a series uh, do that, and you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, how many, how many, I forget how many trucks he sponsored, but he had um, he had about seven. So seven times, um, you know, fifteen thousand a piece, and then I think a couple of them, uh, you know, got the got into the bonus there. A couple of them finished top ten at Vegas. Um, so all told, he probably spent about one hundred and twenty thousand um, dollars in, you know, actual money, actual sponsor money. How much in the way of of interest, and how much in the way of eyeballs, do you think he got in return? I, um, I, I, I gotta say, I think he got a lot of interest in return. I mean, he, I mean. You know, I I think you know I, I follow him on Facebook and his profile on Facebook and the the things he does for for small businesses, it, it, it's just perfect what he did. I mean, to go racing in the truck series is no small thing. You know, it, 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 I mean, it's a lot of money. You know, team. I mean, you think of like a maybe like a Norm Benning who probably, you know, is probably pouring minimum amount in it, maybe even less. You know, the, these guy, these truck teams. I mean, if you're not like a Thor Sport or a, a Nice, um, you know, or one of these teams that has really good backing it's tough to get in it's tough because if you wreck your truck um that's it um so i i think you got a lot of eyeballs on you definitely got a lot of eyeballs on camping world for sure i mean but it's you know it, it kind of was like a um profit like move I, I i see when he did that remind me of something he would do in the pro in the show the profit you know hey you know you do this i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this money and hey seven guys took it and and still guys are taking it too um there's still trucks doing it so yeah uh, Ryan, 
your thoughts with with him in NASCAR? I don't think it's too radical a statement to say that Lamonis' sponsorship of the truck series is the reason that it's still here. Because I think without that monetary shot in the arm, we might have seen the truck series fold. But now we're seeing a much more competitive truck series, especially the trucks that he's sponsoring. They're racing much harder to get some of that bonus money. And you got to figure that everybody else on this year is like, you know what? They're racing harder. I mean, we need to be competitive so we can keep up and maybe surpass them. And suddenly, you know, we might be able to score a sponsorship from him or being the brand ambassador that he is and getting the eyeballs on it. Other sponsors might come in and see the other competitive trucks on, Hey, let's throw money at some of those guys. Yeah. And I think those moves alone that were started by him could have a very positive financial cascade effect to really, really boost up the sponsorships and the quality of the racing in that series. And I'd very much like to see that happen. So I, I've got a, a question to, to pose to you guys on this is um, you're, you're seeing in, in that series, you're, you're seeing races where they're having trucks failing to make the show. They're, they're getting over the, the, the allotment they use for, for the truck series in, in their races. Do you think now he says he says when the when the contract comes up in a few years he wants to make a he wants to make some changes. Do you think he's going to have that leverage now that one Brian France is gone and now you've got Jim France running it and you are seeing the whole grassroots racing and the changes NASCAR is making? Do you think he's going to get, you think he will have that leverage in a few years? Absolutely. He'll no doubt have leverage because he's got the finances to back it up. Plus he has the business savvy to be able to make the changes that will benefit the drivers, NASCAR at large, and continue to get interest with the fans. It depends to me. Um, even though um, Lamonis is a, um, as, as y'all said, a really savvy business person um, and knows how to, um, how to leverage uh, situations to his advantage and in a positive way. Um, you know, case in point, what he did with NHRA, um, which we'll talk more about here in a minute, but that, you know, he's, he's able to leverage things is, is to his benefit and it's to motorsports benefit and it's to NASCAR's benefit in particular. Um, but with that said, uh, I think the, um, the existing leadership group, you know, they are, I think, kind of their own block. And so I don't think there's any real way for Lamonis to kind of make inroads into that, um, into those circles if he wanted to. Um, which is another question unto itself. Um, but um, with that said, um, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, increase as he's increasing his, um, his motorsports portfolio um, and, you know, by all appearances doing it in a, in a successful way. Um, 
he uh, he definitely um, carries um, a cachet, and he definitely carries an increased visibility um, in the world of motorsport. See, I think um, I, I I think he can get to those inroads, and and here's my point with that is what did he just do recently is he got um, Kyle Busch, his Rowdy Energy drink is now being sold in all Camping World stores. Kyle Busch owns a truck team. So I, and Kyle Busch is a well-known name. Um, you know, he, he's a well-known name. His reputation, it you know, hasn't been the best as time. I mean, he, you know, he, you know, he has had his rough edges, but he's also won a lot of races across the board. So I think Kyle Busch could be a in for him. Um, I don't, I, I don't think you'll get him a seat at the table, but I think them seeing what he's done for the truck series and knowing that he has ties to NHRA and if his name starts getting out, who knows what other racing series, whether it be IndyCar, whether it be um, IMSA, whether it be USAC, some other, you know, motocross, um, you know, what, you know, they might get him to, you know, they might say, you know, what ideas do you have? You know, toss us some ideas, you know, and NASCAR may consider it. Maybe NASCAR says, hey, you know, we, we kind of done a race at Pocono where we've done the trucks and the cups. We just did a double header at Bristol with the trucks and the cup. You know what? Why don't we throw in a few more double headers with them? You know, we don't start the cup races until three. Why not do the truck races at like, you know, new or at 11? Hey, FS1, you know, Fox, whole day of racing coverage on, on, on FS1 and Fox. So, you know, it, it might actually, you know, might work to the benefit. But let's talk about the NHRA. You know, we, we just mentioned about his inro, you know, his NHRA. And Auto Week had an article uh, last November, November 24th, 2020, about the NHRA, and I, I think Ryan, you, you read, you looked, you saw this one as well. That's correct. Uh, and it, it talked about um, what he he did some studies with the NHRA. He looked at the demographics, the race, the the, uh, the race diversity, um, family appeal, um, age, gender, uh, race, and diversity. Um, and his, um, per the deal, it was for, to get involved with the NHRA, increase the purse, uh, the intendants, he looked at NHRA first NASCAR and 
he pointed out NASCAR gets it, gets the same thing. It, or he says NHRA gets the same thing. It just gets it over and over a series of days. They get the same people over and over a series of days. And um, and he, he has three boxes. And NHRA checked all three of those boxes. Um, he likes that they're fan focus on loyalty and commitment. Um, you know... He, you know, one thing about NHRA is you get, essentially, you have a pit pass. You can go into the pits. Um, Elliot, I think you've been to an NHRA race, so you mm. might know a little bit more of that. But he, he says the fans are the, are the, are the um, stakeholders. You know, this is, um, you know, he's going to assess everything um, through the, through the filter of fans, he's not going to demand, but um, he did mention NH, uh, one thing NHRA is concerned about, and they both do well, is the health of the teams, but they're also concerned about the B2B, business-to-business transactions that happen inside the sport. Um, it's so... You know, and and he's um, he sees this with NHRA, and uh, Ryan, you, you looked at the article. What are your thoughts about being the um, the straight line expert you are on this? Well, I think this is going to benefit uh, the NHRA at large sooner rather than later. Like primarily one. He has the money to be able to invest into the business, which only goes to benefit the drivers and they in turn can, you know, constantly improve their vehicles and you get more competitive and quality racing. And two, now mind you, take this with the metaphorical grain of salt, but I've heard rumblings through the internet that there's talk of cross promotion between NHRA and NASCAR. Now, if that's the sort of thing that turns out to be true, those are two very large fan bases that are suddenly going to see a lot more of each other. And you got to figure at least a percentage of some point. We're like, Hey, you can might check that out. And on the flip side, the the NASCAR fans is like, Hey, that's some cool stuff going on over there. And they got a lot of different classes. I think I might give that a look. See, I dare say that's a situation where everybody wins. Ryan, so- that's a, a really good point. Um, and that goes back to um, something that Lamona said in uh, referencing um, an AP article written by Jenna Fryer on October 8th of 2020, um, where Lamona said that he wouldn't have gotten into the NHRA if it was serving essentially the same folks as NASCAR, right? Um, and found, David, as you pointed out, um, that in his due diligence, he found that there isn't necessarily a lot of overlap between um, between the two series and and uh, the fans that that go to um, those respective events. So, um, in terms of cross promotion, um, it's uh, you know as as you talked about, Ryan, it's it's bringing another set of eyes who are already into motorsports anyway, right? Um, you're interested in seeing something that 
makes a lot of noise, go down the track as fast as possible and beat the other guy in the, in the next lane over, right? And it's no different than trying to go around a track and try and beat all the other guys and gals that are on the track too, right? Yeah. So um, there's, there's um, a fundamental appeal there that can be drawn both ways. And I think um, given some of the, uh, some of the, the, uh, the changes and, and updates that um, have been made, in particular on NASCAR's side in recent years, it may um, uh, serve to benefit them, uh, and especially you know with some of the things that Lamonis was talking about in terms of uh, the diversity of, of uh, the fan base of the NHRA, um, as any as uh, as NASCAR is is really taken some meaningful steps to um, move in that direction themselves here lately. Um, I think that that only serves to potentially bring more fans to NASCAR and it potentially brings more fans to the NHRA from NASCAR too. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the cool thing about motorsports is that um, it's the, the tent is big enough for, everybody of you know all different uh motorsport interests and you don't have to have just one i i I think i i like the idea of cross promotion for sure because he does that you can do it you know there's a few tracks that that have drag strips um and, and the track bristol vegas um and charlotte well and sonoma and Sonoma. So there's, so, so listen, so who owns all those tracks? Those tracks are all, all owned by Bruin Smith and SMI. This is where, if he's going to do that, he's going to need to get out to Bruin Smith and say, Hey, you got a big race at Bristol. How about we, how about we put on a exhibition throughout the weekend get some nhra drivers out there a bunch of them and put a two million dollar purse up oh yeah that would be good you put a a put up a exhibition two million dollar purse race Mm -hmm. for that you will get and and it can be and you know what he's now doing actually you want to make it more interesting you you name the he names the class says mm-hmm. this type of car anyone eligible so hey john force you want to run a gasser this, it's a gasser class go ahead mm-hmm. or come on down and let's you know run it yep you know or you know just all that different stuff so I think it. I I like that. I I I definitely definitely like that. And yep. I, they throw up a mil- two million dollar purse for an invitational race like that to get some exposure to the other uh, or, uh, ownership like that. You'd have NHRA or, teams tripping over each other to get or there. Do a It'd be a beautiful thing. Or yep. or do a four round. You know, mm-hmm. you had used to have IROC, which was. International Race of Champions four race series in equally matched cars. Get an equally matched, you know, you say this is the type of car, 
even if it's a regular Dodge Charger, I don't care. You do an equally matched car, same type of car, or same choice of cars, you know, sports cars, you know, let's say four, you know, four, you know, three types of, or three or four types of sports cars. We're going to do this. We're going to do one at Sonoma, one out at Bristol, one at, um, or one at Bristol, one at Charlotte, one at Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Two million purse to the champion and a half a grand for each winner. And half a mil? Yep. Yeah, or mm-hmm. yes, half a mil. Sorry. Half a mil for yep. each winner mm-hmm. and unlimited entries. You know, line them up. Yep. And you get uh, Rich Christensen out there from uh, Pink's fame back in the day to uh, do the, uh, well, the arm drops for him. Yeah. You but, might get, you might get um, Big Daddy showing up. <laughs> maybe. Um, but it's funny you mentioned missionary. Yeah. Yes. Um, but David, it's funny you mentioned um, Lamonis going to uh, the Smiths of uh, SMI ownership um, because, well, it's uh, he has kind of done exactly that here in recent weeks. Um, so, a quick backstory on this. Um, uh, so, Marcus Smith has has been. Uh, Uh, kind of taken over the reins of SMI here in recent years. And one of the things that they've worked on is um, trying to get um, an agreement to run uh, the fairgrounds at Nashville. Um, And so he and Dale Earnhardt Jr. in particular um, have uh, really taken the lead on that and um, been working out some things and uh, signed an agreement with uh, the mayor of Nashville not long ago. Um, And so uh, Marcus Smith was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast, the Dale Jr. Download, talking about um, not only the dirt weekend in Bristol um, and the challenges and successes that they had, um, but also uh, the everything that, that went into uh, this Nashville trip and um, what they're seeking to try to accomplish there. Um, and then almost as kind of an aside, it was like uh, an, oh, by the way, you know, um, Marcus Smith, uh, his, his company owns North Wilkesboro Speedway and the property um, that it's on. And Smith said, um, oh, by the way, we're still thinking about stuff to do for North Wilkesboro. Um, and so that turned a lot of people's heads around. And one of those people was Marcus Limonis, um, who tweeted um, after that episode came out to tell Marcus Smith to call him. And apparently they had a phone call. Um, and Smith said um, on Twitter that it was, um, he appreciated the call and, and uh, uh, he was, um, you know, happy to talk with, with somebody else who was as passionate about, um, you know, so passionate about racing as Lamontis is. So um, that, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a future thing like, okay, what happens here? So gentlemen, I pose the question to you. What happens um, with potentially North Wilkesboro and Marcus Limonis? So David, I'll start with you. Well, I, I gotta say, I, I can see it happening. 
I can see, and, and I'm going to say it's not just going to be Smith and Lamonis. It's going to also be Dale Jr. involved with this. I would not put it past that Dale Jr. gets involved with this um, as well. I think you're going to see North Wilkesboro um, rebuilt. Um, I don't, I, I think eventually you would see a cup race there going back to the grassroots, but I see, I, I can see it being rebuilt and cleaned up them having races. Um, I, I would say, um, you're either gonna, you know, if you want to really make make a statement, you could um, for for that short track, you could um, maybe get USAC to show up with the midgets or the um, silver crown or the sprint guys. Um, it'd be a nice little bull ring for them, but yeah. I I see it happening down the road. Um, I I'm you know once Marcus Lamonis gets into something, it, unless it looks like it's going to be a bad deal, he's committed in it until he he's for certain sure that it's either going to be a good deal or it's a bad deal and he walks away. So I see it happening, Ryan. Oh, I 100% see it happening as well. And I also agree to the point of Earnhardt Jr. being involved in it because, let's face it, the Earnhardt name still carries a great deal of weight and respect in the racing world. And I think Lamonis has the good business sense that he will fully utilize that. And I think that North Wilkesboro is prime for racing. And as you pointed out, Dave, you know, he has the business savvy to know a good deal when he sees one. And I think he sees profit written all over that. Yeah. Yep. Most and, certainly. And Lamonis is uh, stake kind of staked that out um, in terms of what he sees potentially happening um, in Wilkesboro. He tweeted on April 1st, he said, um, Camping World is ready to open store and some other stuff in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Cough, cough, Marcus Smith. So, um, you know, maybe he's looking at, um, you know, not only doing something with the track, but also maybe doing something with the property um, and adding a, um, uh, a, a Camping World store um, uh, facility on that property as well. And, um, you know, I heard some, uh, I thought I heard somebody mention um you know, some concerns about, well, you know, Wilkesboro's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere and you've got Bristol not too far away and so on and so forth. But it's important to remember a couple of things. Um, first off, the triad area, um, which is uh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, um, if I'm not mistaken, they have consistently been uh, the highest market in terms of TV ratings for NASCAR racing. Who, who would say... Something like out in the middle of nowhere. Hey, Oswego Speedway's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in a small city. 
Spencer Speedway in New York is out in the middle of nowhere. Holland Speedway is out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, there's other tracks out in the middle of nowhere. Who would say something like that? That's where you get the best racing. And you know what? People go to them. They don't care how far it is. You put that, up a good race, you're going to it. That is true. And you've got um, a an entire region there in northwestern North Carolina that is steeped in racing, going back to the, the days of Prohibition, basically. Um, so, um, and the roots of stock car racing. So um, you, you put that together and, you know, you put the longtime interest, um, you know, and the interest of longtime fans. And I think maybe some newer fans too, um, that are kind of getting turned on to um, what um, stock car racing looked like um, in terms of the tracks um, and stuff that they ran on decades ago um, and saying, that looks really cool. And having some opportunities to see those kind of things with, um, with races at Martinsville, um, races at Road America, races at, um, you know, uh, Watkins Glen, you know, some of these places that aren't, um, uh, you know, that aren't the embodiment of the, the more recent um, NASCAR that we know, which is a lot of mile and a half, a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of higher speeds, less time on the, on the throttle. No, we want, you know, short track, you know, root, rut, gouge, get out the way and, you know, get to the horn. use the, yeah, the whole nine. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that the schedules, you know, reflect how they reflect now in terms of going to more road courses, going to more um, short tracks, going to, you know, uh, Fontana turning into a short track, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, as well as bringing, um, you know, a dirt track to, uh, to cup in over 50 years, you know, for the first time in over 50 years, that's all testament to it. We're going back to um, what the sport looked like decades ago um, in terms of what they ran. And that's what the fans want to see. Most certainly. So, um, so yeah, the, you know, what, it, you know, how, uh, you know, who they, they bring back or, or, or when, you know, that's, that's a good question, but I'll tell you what, um, you know, you bring the, um, you bring some regional series there, you bring ARCA, you bring the modifieds, the ground pounders oh. to Wilkesboro. <sighs> good night. <laughs> uh, Put them under the lights. That, that, that's why I said, bring, you know what? Have you sack show up? You want yep. you want to see some? Have you sack show up and help get call up Dave to Spain and say, "Hey, let's do one Thursday night Thunder Kick one more time." Yep. So, yep. Yeah. I know the internet's always listening to us anyway. Would you mind forwarding this information onto the powers that be? They'll like this idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we need to get I, I really think we need to push to get Marcus Lamonis on here. We, we've got some good ideas here. Yep. And legends, we, the legends cars. Remember? Oh, um, what was it? Uh, my, my dad's friend has one. There you go. I, they do that. I, I'll I'm 
he be an eighty, you know, he's seventy something now. He be race, you know, he be racing down on it. Yep. Well, you know what? James Hilton was racing in his seventies, and I'm sure yeah. I think Morgan Shepard is too. So, yeah, know, I say rock and roll. But um, well, one quick point about the Legends cars: I think it was uh, Bruton Smith. I think it was like twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. He put up a um, a purse of one million dollars for a Legends race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And there, everybody showed up for it. It was a huge deal. Man. Um, so now, I'll tell you what, you, you do the same thing or something like it up at Wilkesboro. Or, or you know what? If you can get talk to Oswego Speedway, throw a little dirt on it, get the World of Outlaws to kick around, that would be a heck of a race. That may be. That may be. But... We got a, 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 a great conversation. We got to get Lamonis on here. Somebody work on that, please. Yep. If you if you're listening, you know him, or you know if you're one of these people who actually physically knows him, please. We, we'd like to have him on, but we gotta yep. take a break. We gotta get the cartooned, everything set. We've got a green segment coming out. And we've got a word from our about our sponsor. This is from Checker to Green Podcast. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green Podcast. Are you looking to make your business stand out amongst your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the resources to give your business a leg up on your opponents with design and wow factor to impress your customers. Logo designs to business cards to letterheads, anything that you require to give yourself a real standout appeal. If you're interested in more information, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back from Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Now the green flag is coming out and we're looking ahead to the to the next nights in racing. And this coming weekend, we've got a, a big weekend uh, of NASCAR racing at where else? Martinsville. Um, and uh, we got um, a lot of storylines going into it and uh, um, a lot of big action coming up. So gentlemen, let's talk about it. Man, I, I gotta say, uh, the, the first point I gotta say about it Whoever came up with the idea to build a, the Wheeling Modifieds on Thursday night under the lights at Martinsville, thank you. Modified yes. racing back at Martinsville under the lights. I mean, we had dreams of this playing in NASCAR. Um, I think it was NASCAR 04 I had, the, the chase for the cup game on, on yep. PS2. And mm-hmm. it was a Marnsville night race with the modifieds. And yep. for them to get the ground pounders on there, great job. And then you got the cup race tonight. Tomorrow you got an old Saturday night shootout. 500 laps at Marnsville with Logano and Hamlin on the pole. You know the tensions are high. I, I'm going to say it. You are going to have another first-time winner 
for the season this year. We will not see a repeat winner at this race. If we do, I will be shocked. But um, I, I think you got a good field. You got Byron and Blaney in row two, Chase Elliott, Ricky Sounds in row three, Truex and Newman in four, Harvick Keselowski in five, Suarez and Kyle Busch in row six, um, Reddick and McDowell in seven, Busher and Jones in eight, Priest, Dylan and Austin Dillon in nine, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman row 10, row 11 is Bush and D. Benadell, Kurt Bush and D. Benadell. Uh, 12 is Bell and Briscoe, 13 Bubba Wallace and Cole Custer, Chastain and JJ Yealy in row 14, Quinn Huff and Justin Haley in row 15, Eric Amarola and Cody Ware in 16. Um, Cody Ware actually did the Indy 500 test today. Um, the he was one of the 32 cars that partaked in the IndyCar test at the Indy at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, you got Balicki and Corey LaJoy in row 17, Alfredo and BJ McLeod in row 18, and James Davidson rounding out row 19. It's going to be great racing. Good pit, you know, pit strategy is going to come into play. Um, breaks are going to come into play. You're going to see cherry red breaks during the race. Um, just because how it is, they did take the grass out in the turns. So you're not going to have to worry about kicking up dirt on the track. So I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. Yep. Um, there's, there's definitely some people that, um, have, a lot of potential. They're starting close to the front. Um, you know, I look at Harvick and Keselowski in row five straight away. Um, you know, Logano and Hamlin, yes, they have uh, a lot of potential there as well. Um, ditto Chase Elliott, uh, who won Martinsville um, last October to punch his ticket into the, uh, the championship race and ended up winning. Um, so, uh, we know he gets the job done here. Um, Truex, I think, has won here before as well. Um, Newman has has run well here, um, and uh, you know this is his, you know, his kind of track where you know it's tough to pass somebody, and you know he's 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 a tough tough uh, tough racer. Um, you know Ryan Priest um, coming off of the modified race the other night. Um, uh, you know, and doing some, some racing over, uh, the offs, the, uh, the off week. Um, I think he could do potentially well starting in 17th, um, you know, and Michael McDowell, you know, we've talked about him and the 34 team, um, and taking advantage of some of these tracks where aerodynamics and, um, you know, engineering and all that stuff isn't necessarily, um, as much of a premium as it is at other tracks. Um, this is one of them. And so this is one of those where, um, you know, he's, he's shown that, um, you know, he and that team, um, you know, are, are contenders this year. Um, according to racingreference.info, I think it was, um, he's still, uh, even when you take out the, the wins and all that stuff, 
um, and the the playoff seeding, he's still 12th in points. I think he's tied with Kyle Busch right now for 12th in points. Um, so this is one of those weekends where he needs a top 10 at minimum, uh, I think, to carry that on. So I'll be looking for that from him. Matt Benedetto, same thing. Um, and, uh, you know, also uh, looking for some of the uh, the Stuart Haas guys, it's the 14, the 41, and the 10 who start 24th, 26th, and 31st, respectively, um, to, um, you know, put a, a solid race together and start to make a push towards the, the playoffs themselves. Um, they've been off to a pretty slow start this year. Um, and then, you know, could somebody like a Suarez, um, you know, pull off an upset too? It's possible. Ryan, what do you think? I think with the number of people that want to contend for the playoffs, I think this is going to be the type of race where fortune will most certainly favor the bold. And I think, you know, like the Stuart Haas team, I think they're going to be the ones who are going to make the very bold moves in this race to try to at least secure a top 10 finish. If not go for the check in itself. That's, that's kind of what I see going down. Even with the heavy contenders up front, I still think they have the drive to make the, borderline reckless moves to get up front. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like to see um, Suarez win it. I, I think that would be really great for him. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely, you know, it, it's starting to come around. I mean, and it, it would be really awesome for him to do that. Um, I, you know, Harvick, I think, would be good. I, I wouldn't rule out Harvick. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could definitely see them doing it. And I, the, the only issue I have with the only thing that's good um, that could hurt Harvick is Kyle Busch. And that's going back to what happened last year in the playoffs when Harvick needed just one position and he would have been in the, in the um, final four and he tagged Bush coming out of four. He tried moving him and spun Bush, Bush, uh, Kyle Bush looped it around and Harvick put it in the wall. So I think that's going to be, that that's going to be an interesting storyline going into that because Martinsville is a track that uh, if you want to get your tension, your, your aggressions out, good track to do it at. But remember, it's always going to be, you can get shuffled very easily if you get to the outside, you know, that that's the one thing. So it's going to be who can run that inside groove the best and not get harmed if they get pushed to the outside. Yes, sir. Yep. And Martinsville has long been, with few exceptions, um, a track where the bottom groove is king. And if you give it up, then... You better hope that you can get a run up off the corner and beat the person below you um, and try and get in 
in the, the next corner, you're going to be in trouble. So um, let's talk about the, um, the Xfinity series as well. They're actually racing tonight. Um, and so look at the starting lineup here. Um, you know, you got uh, Burton, Allgaier um, at the uh, starting up front. Uh, you got the 16 and the 18 um, of Amendinger and Hemmer in uh, row two, um, Haley and Sindrick in row three, Herbst and Gragson in row four, Snyder and Annette in row five. Um, and then behind them, you have um, some of the underdog teams. You got Clements and uh, Ryan Sieg in row six, uh, Landon Castle starting alongside Jeff Burton in row seven, Josh Williams uh, starting alongside uh, Ty Gibbs in row eight. Tommy Joe Martins and Jeffrey Earnhardt in uh, row nine, and then Brandon Brown and Timmy Hill for MBM Motorsports uh, rounding out the top 20. So um, uh, full disclosure, uh, the the race is uh, ongoing as we're recording this, although they're under a red flag right now for rain. They've kind of had on and off thunderstorms there all, all day and all evening. Um, but um, uh Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Well, I if they can get through this rain, I mean, I, I see it too. 91 laps and Brandon Jones is leading. Um, if they can figure out, you know, if they can get the rain, I mean, I know, I know they're running under the lights, but how much later do you end up going? Because you're going to, um, you know, these guys, these guys are going to have to get loaded up. Some of these crews actually pit for the cup series. Um, you know, some of these crews actually do double duty. Um, I, I'm a little concerned how late you're going to go. If you're going to, you know, if you've got persistent rain, do you then say we're going to have to finish this up because there's, there's no way at halfway. Um, it's, it's what two fifty lap race. Yes. So it's what one twenty five for halfway. So, you know, if they were more than halfway, then they probably would end up calling it, but, um, hopefully the rain passes, but if not, I, I think you're going to see it ran tomorrow during the day to get it in. That is a possibility, but, um, you know, the weather's not looking the best for tomorrow either. Um, so, you know, it might have to be one of those, you know, they get it, they start up at 10 a.m. in the morning and, you know, get it done, get it done as yeah. soon as they can. Because, um, uh, you know, they get through later on into the day, into the evening. Uh, it's not looking too good. Uh, what What's it for Sunday? Because there's... Um... I may have to DVR Sunday. Sunday's looking pretty nice. Um, I think we should be okay then. Well, kind of COI for me. Um, I will have to watch the Masters. So if they do end up running Sunday, I'm pulling it up on my phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, I, I'm gonna watch the race on my phone. Watch the Masters on TV. There you go. <laughs> so. Well, we got some final thoughts, Elliot. Yep. Um, and those final thoughts this week are uh, looking ahead to uh, what will be the dirt race next year at Bristol. 
Um, and what we thought of this year, what went right, what didn't go right, and how, how and what lessons they can apply to make uh, the Brist Bristol Dirt Race that much better in 2022. So let's talk about it. The first thing is um, they need help from Mother Nature, full stop. Um, mm. You know, they, um, uh, they ran into some exceptional problems um, with the weather, um, with all the rain they had and the flooding and things that that was completely out of their control. You know, there's nothing that they could do about that. Um, so that I think kind of worked against them. Um, and, you know, that they had to delay the race a full day is kind of testament to that. So, um, so there's that. Um, but it was also worth noting too, um, in Marcus Smith's appearance on the Dale Jr. Download, um, he even floated the idea of putting some sort of covering over um, Bristol Motor Speedway going forward and ostensibly to kind of keep the, um, keep the moisture in um, and keep the track from drying out very quickly. Um, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Do we see that happening next year? And, and if so, um, you know, what does that look like? And, and um, how do they keep that from trapping a bunch of dust inside and so, turning the whole thing into a, a big mess? So I, I don't think a roof's going to work. I, I, I just hate to say it. it say, um, well, I don't I think mean, he's looking for, I don't think he's looking for a roof a la the chili bowl. I'm thinking he's looking for something, um, like, like covering. Yeah. Like, like maybe look like, um, like what hard rock stadium has where, um, they, they've got partial covering over the grandstands or Wembley where it's covering over the grandstands, but most of the fields open, you know, if they did something like that, maybe it would work. Um, the only, the only thing I, I, I think what Marcus Smith needs to do is he needs to, um, give a call to the owners of Oswego Speedway up in Oswego, New York. And, and here's why. Oswego Speedway, after they um, took down the grandstands, um, after the fate of the New York State Fair uh, horse track, racetrack in the grandstands, um, and, and this is for a talk maybe another time um was ending super dirt week um decided to the world racing group decided to do it as we go speedway and the first year they had it they had issues with the dirt um they were getting ruts it wasn't um it it wasn't a well-groomed track Drivers were were talking about it not being well groomed. Um, they they just didn't get right. So the following year they said, well, maybe we didn't have enough time to prepare. So they just said, we're gonna prepare sooner. We're gonna do it this way. We're gonna do it that. This is how we're gonna do it. We made some improvements the first year. Um, a new fence in turn three, a new gateway, 
you know, ways to work it better. And then they took what was good in the first year. They applied it to the second. They improved. And now it's a really good racing surface on dirt. Everyone likes it. It's much better feedback. You get really good racing there. And so now what... um, So I think he needs to talk to them and say, listen... What did you guys do? How do we do this? Here's the issues we have. Because we know it, Elliot, you know and I in Oswego, in the fall, we get rain up there. Mm -hmm. And it it, it can be bad. And they've had rain showers. The first year they had to, they couldn't do much racing when it rained. But now if they get a rain shower, that they can run it. So... I think you gotta I, I think they need to talk to them about that. Um and, and they will. They they now know what to do to get it better. And one thing, maybe you talk to Tony Stewart as well. Get input from him. He owns Eldora, so I think that's what they gotta do. They may, but um Tony Stewart ain't talking to anybody from NASCAR or Marcus Smith or anybody on the subject of um, uh, how to run a a better NASCAR weekend on a dirt track anytime soon. Not unless um, Eldor is part of the conversation too. I I Um, think Eldor will be back. I think he'll get, they'll get Eldor back, but that's another conversation for another time of that one. Uh, Ryan, what about your thoughts? Honestly, I think it was a good start for bringing the dirt track racing back into NASCAR. And I think one of the important lessons that they should take away from that, as was mentioned earlier, is they got to find a way to control the dust. I have a couple of thoughts on how they could do it, but I don't know if they would be feasible because there'd be a lot of expense involved. If they could rig up a system where around the top of the catch fences around the perimeter of the track that they could set up a misting system where every now and again there'd be a quick light spritz of water onto the dust you know you could keep down the excess without it becoming a sloppy mess but bringing up an irrigation system like that would be extremely costly and so, i just don't see it being feasible for just one race so, or it could be just me being crazy it so happen. what if actually i have another idea what if they use synthetic dirt it's a clever idea and and here's my point greg donnelly who um probably isn't talking much to world racing group um probably talking not much to new york state either because of he was supposed to build this this world-class racing track up in new york state but um he developed an idea of synthetic dirt. He's used it at Wheatsport and Brewerton. Um, he's developed that. It's easy to install. Um, it, it, it's actually to reduce dusting or, or reduce the dust that kicks up and it holds the moisture. W- what about that? Given its polymer qualities that as you said, holds the moisture, that would definitely make it a lot easier to keep the dust down and it's not harmful to the vehicles and most importantly, non-toxic. And they're little pucks, essentially. 
Mm -hmm. I think that would be a feasible idea, and I think that'd be something they should look into because it could be implemented at reasonable cost. I think it might be a brilliant idea, sir. So remember, write it down and put your name and date on it so they can't steal it from you. They got to buy it from you now. Yeah, but Greg, Greg Donnelly came up with the idea, so. Yeah, never mind. I I, 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 think he, I think they should. If, that, if they're going to do that, then they need, those are the, uh, that, that's something they got to do. And maybe, you know, maybe Marcus Smith, you know, if he did that, maybe Marcus Smith could help him develop his um, road course, short track, dirt track facility up here and get some NASCAR races to central New York. And if that's the sort of thing that could be produced in large quantity, I think that could, you know, really change the dynamic of dirt racing at large because if that would be a very, very good benchmark test, if it yeah. could work there, it's like, I bet we can implement this everywhere. You know, food for thought. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, I don't know about y'all, but speaking of food, I'm looking forward to going and getting me a few of those Martinsville hot dogs. I don't know. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think I that's think, a brilliant idea. I, I, yeah. I think I think we need um, uh, a trip to Marnesville and um, definitely have a hot dogging contest. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> well, I got the um, I'm I'm going to gas up the car right now. Uh, let's make that happen. But um, for now, this is Ben from Checker to Green. This is Elliot Tardif saying thank you for tuning in and listening to part one. Part two is right around the corner, and we'll see you in that one. I'm David Moy. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for part two. And I'm Brian Kolpak. Appreciate the, everyone out there that listens to us. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Check It to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green Podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green Podcast. Welcome to the Checkered to Green Podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast all about racing is told by three lifelong racing fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode number 14, part one. I am Elliot Tardiff alongside my colleagues, David Maudie and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. So uh, it is a, well, it has been a nice day, but now a little stormy down here in North Carolina, and um, that doesn't bode well, uh, or at least hasn't uh, thus far this evening for uh, the Xfinity race up in Martinsville uh, this evening. Matter of fact, they had a, uh, they had two tornado-worn storms uh, not too far away from the track, one uh, that uh, slid just south of it and then another one that slid just to the north and east of it and went down towards Stanville and then 
uh, kind of straddle the North Carolina, Virginia state line. So um, thus far, uh, a little bit of lightning concern there. And um, then they're going to get that cleared out. And it looks like they're going to go racing here before too much longer. Well, it's, it's definitely a nice time up here in Syracuse. Nice weather. It's been great the past few days. We've been in the 70s, 80s. Gotta love short weather, getting to go outside, doing stuff. And right now, I got the window in my office open and getting a fresh breeze in here. So, gotta love the weather now up in New York State. What? How about you, Fuzz? Oh, man, no complaints out here in Buffalo, New York. This past Thursday, we broke the all-time temperature record with a recorded temperature of 84 degrees, knocking out the old record by a considerable margin, which was 76 degrees. Bright, sunny, that little taste of summer that really makes you realize how much you miss it. So you'll hear no complaints out of me. 84 in, in April in Buffalo. That's exceptional. Hey, White, sir. And and. Now I will I will tell you on the side I you know I've golfed here and there I know Ryan has, and Ryan, I think it's about time to get the the clubs out and start some practicing. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So, I know it's been a while between episodes. We've had a little little rest period here and a lot of racing action. So, gentlemen, how about we kick it off? We had three NASCAR races, including a dirt race at Bristol. Elliot, let's talk about it. Yes, sir. Um, So starting with uh, the race in Phoenix a few weeks ago, uh, that one was won by Martin Truex over Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski and Chase Elliott. Um, Truex led for 64 laps, uh, passing Logano, who dominated most of the race, leading 143, um, and uh, doing so with about 25 laps to go and marching off to the win. Um, Other notables, um, uh, Ryan Blaney finished top 10, Kevin Harvick finished sixth. Kurt Busch finished 15th. Matt Benedetto was 14th. And Bubba Wallace in the 2311 uh, entry brought it home 16th as well. Um, so this one, by and large, I think was uh, kind of a, a Toyota kind of day. Um, again, Logano had a strong run, uh, at least for um, uh, a good part of it. But Truex in the end just had too strong a car and uh, brought it home for his first win of the year. Um, If uh, we recall the last episode we did, we talked about how some of these um, mainstay drivers that are usually at the top of the standings every year, that a lot of them have yet to win. And Truex was one of the ones that we pegged to win soon. And he got it done that very same weekend. Um, So gentlemen, your thoughts? I mean, Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix was a good race. It, it was really good racing throughout uh, the the whole weekend. You know, Truex winning it. Um, you know, keeping the the streak of you know first time winners this season going. And I mean, you know, something we talked about. You know, with Gibbs. 
um, something you know, with Gibbs this this season was either they they start out well in a race and they all all have their issues and don't do well, or they they start bad and then they may you know they come at it at the end but come up short. Truex, they just, I think, had, you know, he had a really good race there, and that was, that was really good for him to to get the win. Indeed. Uh, then the, uh, the following weekend, they went off to, um, I think, a lot of people's uh, favorite track on the circuit, and that is Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, just south of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and this was an interesting race throughout. Um, Kyle Larson looked like he was on his way to dominating this race. Um, but as we got to late in the race, um, his, uh, his car's handling started to go away and, um, he got behind, um, the car of Joey Logano, who was struggling to stay on the lead lap at the time. Um, and some were saying that, you know, maybe he was, uh, um, doing everything he could to keep Kyle Larson behind him, maybe blocking, you know, it depends on uh, whose car you're a fan of or what your point of view is on, on any, any of these drivers. Um, and, uh, but either way, Larson's handling went away and in came Brian Blaney uh, who passed him late in the race and scooted away for his first win of 2021 over Larson Alex Bowman finishing third, Denny Hamlin once again, um, up in the mix, finishing fourth, Kyle Busch um, having a solid day finishing in the fifth spot. Uh, Kevin Harvick was a non-factor all day, um, hampered in part by a flat tire that he had to pit under green to fix. He ended up coming home 10th. Um, Chris Buescher had a solid day in the 17 car. He finished seventh. Um, Last week's winner, Truex, finished ninth. Matt Benedetto brought it home 11th, improving the performance of the 21 car over the rotten start of the season they had. Ryan Newman had a solid 13th place run, uh, so a good weekend overall for the, the Roush Fenway group. Uh, Joey Logano, after um, finishing runner-up to Truex in Phoenix, finished 15th um, at Atlanta. And Bubba Wallace... Uh, again, finishing 16th. Uh, Daniel Suarez put the Trackhouse Motorsports car in the top 20, um, as did Michael McDowell, our Daytona 500 winner, and Eric Almarola rounded out the top 20. Uh, so, gentlemen, your thoughts on Atlanta? Well, I, I, I got to say, with Atlanta, I mean, Larson, I thought we were going to have our first repeat winner, the way Larson dominated that race. And thinking how, um, you know, the week before, you know, in Phoenix, that was the other thing was with Hendrick that, you know, were they, you know, were they going to keep this win streak going where they had won two races in a row as a team, you know, were they going to win a third one? They didn't, but were we going to get our first repeat where and the mile and a half, these cookie cutter tracks, Larson's going to be a factor, I think, this year at those. And again, great racing. Um, I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I did see the end of it. Um, I saw Larson dominate, but yeah, it's it's definitely 
you know, I, I think we're seeing a different trend this year without the practice and the qualifying. I think you're starting to see a trend of it's anybody's game right now. You know, Indeed. anyone can win it. And that proved the following week at Bristol. Um, Ryan, did you have any thoughts about Phoenix or Atlanta? In regards to Atlanta, I agree with the two of you. Honestly, I thought Larson was a shoe-in for the win. Do we ever figure out why he suddenly got loose near the end? Uh, um, I think he just overused his tires. Um, That's you know, what Atlanta's... I suspected, but I didn't hear any confirmation therein, so I was kind of curious. Yep. But yeah, I thought, just like Dave pointed out, that he was going to be our first repeat winner this year, but with uh, another first-time winner on the board, it's just going to show this season's anybody's season still. Indeed. So we were to that point, um, six races and six different winners. So um, would we see the same thing play out the following week at the dirt race in Bristol? Well, we had to wait an extra full day to find out um, as there was a lot of severe weather and um, hail not too far away from the racetrack um, and a lot of flooding rain um, that, uh, struck much of Tennessee, not just Bristol, but uh, much of Tennessee as well, including Nashville, uh, where tragically there was some loss of life um, due to uh, severe flash flooding um, in the greater Nashville area. Uh, And sadly, that's not the first time that's happened uh, to them. And, you know, it happened again. Uh, And in uh, up in Bristol, uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of flooding on the property. And much like what happened at Martinsville a few, a few years ago with the snow there, um, once the, the weather cleared, um, it took them a little while to get the facility to where they could safely host people. Um, and so they uh, um, wisely pushed the racing back um, a full day so they could get that done, uh, let the water recede and uh, get, the, get the facility ready to host racing. Um, it was a Herculean task to get the track itself ready to go um, with all of the rain that fell and the damage it did to the, the dirt surface. Um, but the, the good staff at Bristol Motor Speedway um, were up to the task and they had um, a track ready to go and uh, put on um, a, a really excellent race. Um, it was... Um, a little bit troublesome at first and to, you know to some extent this was kind of a concern going into it with the dust there was a lot of uh, a lot of dust to the point where uh, visibility was becoming an issue um, to the point where they did away with double file restarts midway through the race uh, just because it was um, there were so many cars in a, uh, a smaller uh, part of the track that it was kicking up so much dust nobody could see anything and so it was becoming a real safety issue. They uh, switched to single file from then on. Um, and as the race went on, the, the uh, dust problem began to go away. Um, and you had something that almost looked like um, an asphalt race as the, the track was continuing to get rubbered up um, and dry out. So um, that allowed for uh, some of the drivers that had no dirt experience whatsoever to do really, really well in this race. Um, and the one that did the best was Joey Logano, uh, who 
scooted out ahead of everybody and um, got out ahead of Denny Hamlin, who was not very happy with how Logano raced him and uh, was hoping to um, kind of repay him on a late restart. That never happened. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who um, made his name on the dirt circuit before coming to NASCAR, um, got by him and was uh, um, starting to track down Logano, but just simply ran out of laps. Um, so Logano takes the inaugural uh, Bristol dirt race uh, checkered flag with Stenhouse Jr. second, Hamlin third, Daniel Suarez, another driver who had no dirt racing experience going into this weekend, uh, bringing the Trackhouse Racing team um, their first top five, um, also um, leading 58 laps and um, having an exceptional day for the number 99 team, sponsored by Camping World this weekend as well. Ryan Newman finished fifth um, with Byron, Reddick, Blaney, Eric Jones uh, in the 43, and Chase Elliott rounding out the top 10. Uh, Michael McDowell, the Daytona 500 winner, finishing 12th. Matt Benedetto 13th. Um, the Bush brothers, 16th and 17th. Kevin Harvick finishing 15th. Um, and Chase Briscoe rounding out the top 20 um, with a, uh, a very eventful day for the 14 car. Uh, a lot of wrecks in this race, a lot of hard hits. Um, Eric Almarola being one, Kyle Larson being one as well. Um, although Larson was able to soldier on finishing 29th. So with all that said, um, what were, what were y'all's thoughts on the first dirt weekend in, what was it? Over 50 years, I think. Um, what did y'all think? I, I liked it. I, I liked it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it was good race. I think once they figured out it was really good um, with Ricky Stenthouse. Um, I, I gotta say, I think if they had another green white checkered, he was going to get, he would have got Logano. Um, you know, I, I know they had their growing pains with the dirt race. Um, some criticisms with the dirt, even the truck race. Um, you know, th th there's been some criticisms about it, but you know, it just like, and, and I can, you know, I've got some other thoughts for down the road on it, but it, it was, it was good race. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I'm glad they did it. And I think everyone got a real treat for it. Um, my only thought is, you know what, if you're going to do it, uh, if you're going to do it again down the road, um, do it as a night race. I think the one issue would be the sun and the kick up with dirt, but great racing and seven different winners. So it keeps, you know, it, it, again, I think that's, that's, I think we're going to see a lot of different winners this year and fewer repeat winners, but Brian, your thoughts. 
I'll be honest, after 51 years, it was really good to see a dirt race back on the uh, cup circuit. I think the dynamic and the different nuances of that racing style really made it more exciting than your usual Bristol race, which tends to be pretty exciting in and of itself. And I agree with the observations of the two of you. I think if there was just a couple more laps tops, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. would have been the one winning that race. But as you pointed out, Elliot just ran out of laps. But you could tell by the end he wanted it pretty bad. Yes, sir. Um, and along the way, um, I'm sure uh, some uh, some hurt feelings and some tempers, and I'm sure um, maybe some payback uh, for the coming weekend in Martinsville. But speaking of being out of time, uh, the checkered segment, uh, the checkered flag has fallen, and it's time for us to pack up and get out of the garage before they close it. So um, Ryan's going to tell us all about our social media program uh, and where to interact with us and where to listen to our podcast. This is From Checkered to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Your feedback is what helps us drive this program. So if you're enjoying, keep the conversation going. Join us on our Facebook group, From Checker to Green podcast, or link up with us on Twitter. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Let us know. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Tell us about it. And if you're enjoying this episode, listen to the rest of our episodes. You can find us on podcasts.com or on Apple Podcasts, looking for From Checkered to Green podcast. Hope to hear from you soon. And now, back to From Checkered to Green podcast. Welcome back, race fans. And we are going to kick off the spotlight segment, talking actually about a person who has started to make a name for himself in the racing world uh if you ever watch cnbc or have visit camping world um and you may have heard of this name um marcus limonis and marcus limonis um i was actually um introduced to what marcus limonis does um through my finance class when I was going for my master's or my MBA, um, the profit. And he um, is really good. And, and we're going to have a, a good discussion here about Marcus Lemos and his effect in all racing. But if you haven't seen the profit or you haven't heard of what Marcus Lemonis does is he takes his time to invest in small business. If you see the profit, what what he has done, it, what he does is he gets these at video applications for small businesses and he goes and helps them. You know, these businesses that are struggling that, that or are failing and he goes in, sees what they, what they do, takes a, a assessment and then comes up and offers them, um, uh, you, know, you know, like a hundred grand 
for 50% of the company or 51% or sometimes it's been a 40% or some percentage and then maybe there's some uh, ROI return of investment on there he may tack into and he tries to see if they have the encouragement to do this if they will actually listen to him if they do great he signs a check you know he he works with them and he might go and talk to, you know, during the episode, he may show them to other businesses that he's ran or some of his own businesses. Um, the other, what other thing that um, if it doesn't work out, maybe the person walks away or he walks away because he knows it's not a good deal, but he's a really smart businessman. And most recently, if if you've heard of his name and you're an auto racing fan, you may have heard of him. You may have heard Camping World as a sponsor for NHRA. Um, he's Camping World is the sponsor of the Truck Series. He's uh, Camping World sponsors a college football bowl. Um, they they've sponsored races. He sponsors race cars. And so, gentlemen, let's have a talk about what Marcus Limonis has done with NHRA and NASCAR and the truck series. And um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna kick off a couple things here. Let's um let's start with the um let, let's start with the truck series and then we'll work our way to the NHRA because he's been more involved with the truck series much longer. And an article in the Washington Post, and it was by Jenna Fryer, um, he has, he has, um, he's, He's been, his company's been the title sponsor of the truck series since 2008. And the biggest thing he did last month was help a bunch of teams by saying, hey, I'm going to put anyone who puts my sponsorship on, we're going to have a monetary bonus fund that awards money to crew members that um, it, 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 you know, they awards them to crew members, you know, as well as their emergency fund, um, for, for teams that were short on cash. Um, and, and some of this, some of the things out of it was for Vegas, the bonus, he had 15 K for any truck that had the camping world paint scheme or camping world draft. For a top ten finish, twenty five k for, or yeah, twenty or sorry, fifteen k for any truck that had the sponsorship. If it if they finished in the top ten with that sponsor, they got twenty five k, and then they got thirty k for top five, and if they won it, they got fifty k from him. Um, the article did also mention he had an emergency fund for teams who had trouble making it to the track. Um, he's 
you know, he recognized the difficulty it financially in the truck series, uh, 500k in cash and prizes, um, is going to be given to the champion. They get a new truck, which is electric and a electric RV, um, classy RV. Um, the article kind of also mentioned about he he's looked at a racing business model. He's seen how it's flawed, and if he had a seat at the table, he would um, actually have the trucks run on the same day as Cup. And that's because he feels that the Cup is a premier event, and so if it's a premier event, why not have a lower series there? Um, just like a rock concert, if you think you see the war, you know, you see the pre band. Um, for example, um, when I saw Nickelback, um, they had you know, at Darien Lake, well, they had Hinder and Papa Roach as a um, as opening acts, so you know, kind of something like that, um, and when the contract comes up for renewal, he's actually thinking of pushing for to get the truck race moved and push this model. So guys, let's talk about the truck series, what he's done for this. He's been an exceptional um, ambassador um, and, you know, truly um, a, a, a real supporter um, of stock car racing and motorsports in general. Um, He's, he's one of these people that has a keen eye for getting eyeballs um, to look at his businesses. Um, and he sees that there's no, no more efficient way of doing that um, than investing in motorsports. Um, and the fact that he's been a part of the truck series as long as he has um, is testament to that. Um, and, you know, there was a time where, um, he almost wasn't, uh, there was some controversy in 2016, um, about some, uh, political postures that, um, the then NASCAR CEO was, uh, was making and, uh, that didn't sit well with, uh, uh, with Lamonis. Um, and so that, that, that was a dicey period, but, um, the uh, the relationship remained, um, and uh, he's still he's still here, and he's doing some amazing things in uh, in, in NASCAR, and in particular the the Truck Series. Um, that uh, you know he he um, uh, you know took all of these unsponsored trucks. That you know uh, it's not an easy time to find sponsorship right now. Not an easy time to uh, you know scrounge up money to. Um, you know, put tires on it and uh, take it out to the track and go race. And uh, he did. And it was a, um, a really, uh, you know, it was a notable thing to see um, a title sponsor of a, of a series uh, do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, how many, how many, I forget how many trucks he sponsored, but he had, um, he had about seven, so seven times, um, 
you know, 15,000 a piece. And then I think a couple of them, uh, you know, got the, got into the bonus there. A couple of them finished top 10 at Vegas. Um, so all told, he probably spent about $120,000, um, in, you know, actual money, actual sponsor money, how much in the way of, of interest and how much in the way of eyeballs do you think he got in return? I, um, I, I, I gotta say, I think he got a lot of interest in return. I mean, he, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I follow him on Facebook and his profile on Facebook and the, the things he does for, for small businesses, it, it, it's just perfect what he did. I mean, to go racing in the truck series is no small thing. You know, I mean, it's a lot of money, you know, team. I mean, you think of like a, maybe like a Norm Benning who probably, you know, is probably pouring minimum amount in it, maybe even less you know, the, these guys, these truck teams, I mean, if you're not like a Thor sport or a, a niece, um, you know, or one of these teams that has really good backing, it's tough to get in. It, it, it's tough because if you wreck your truck, um, that's it. Um it's so I I think you got a lot of eyeballs on you. you definitely got a lot of eyeballs on Camping World for sure. I mean, but it's you know it, it kind of was like a um, profit like move. I, I I see when he did that. It remind me of something he would do in the pro in the show The Profit. You know, hey, you know. You do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this money. And hey, seven guys took it. And and still guys are taking it too. Um there's still trucks doing it. So yeah. Uh Ryan, your thoughts with with him in NASCAR? I don't think it's too radical a statement to say that. Lamonis's sponsorship of the truck series is the reason that it's still here. Because I think without that monetary shot in the arm, we might have seen the truck series fold. But now we're seeing a much more competitive truck series, especially the trucks that he's sponsoring. They're racing much harder to get some of that bonus money. And you got to figure that everybody else on the series is like, you know what? They're racing harder. I mean, we need to be competitive so we can keep up and maybe surpass them. And suddenly, you know, we might be able to score a sponsorship from him or being the brand ambassador that he is and getting the eyeballs on it. Other sponsors might come in and see the other competitive trucks on. Hey, let's throw money at some of those guys. Yeah. And I think those moves alone that were started by him could have a very positive financial cascade effect to really, really boost up the sponsorships and the quality of the racing in that series. And I'd very much like to see that happen. So 
I, I've got a, a question to, to pose to you guys on this is um, you're, you're seeing in that series, you're, you're seeing races where they're having trucks failing to make the show. They're, they're getting over the, the, the allotment they use for, for the truck series in their races. Do you think now he says he says when the when the contract comes up in a few years, he wants to make a he wants to make some changes. Do you think he's gonna have that leverage now that one Brian France is gone and now you've got Jim France running it and you are seeing the whole grassroots racing and the changes NASCAR is making? Do you think he's going to get? You think he will have that leverage in a few years? Absolutely, he'll no doubt have leverage because he's got the finances to back it up. Plus, he has the business savvy to be able to make the changes that will benefit the drivers, NASCAR at large, and continue to get interest with the fans. It depends to me. Um, even though um, Lamonis is a um, as, as y'all said, a really savvy business person um, and knows how to, um, how to leverage uh, situations to his advantage and in a positive way. Um, you know, case in point, what he did with NHRA, um, which we'll talk more about here in a minute, but that, you know, he's, he's able to leverage things is, is to his benefit and it's to motorsports benefit and it's to NASCAR's benefit in particular. Um, but with that said, uh, I think the, um, the existing leadership group, you know, they are, I think, kind of their own block. And so I don't think there's any real way for Lamonis to kind of make inroads into that, um, into those circles if he wanted to, um, which is another question unto itself. Um, but um, with that said, um, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, increase as he's increasing his, um, his motorsports portfolio um, and, you know, by all appearances doing it in a, in a successful way. Um, he, uh, he definitely um, carries um, a cachet and he definitely carries an increased visibility um, in the world of motorsport. See, I think um, I, I I think he can get to those inroads, and and here's my point with that is what did he just do recently? Is he got um, Kyle Bush his Rowdy Energy drink is now being sold in all Camping World stores. Kyle Bush owns a truck team, so. I and Kyle Bush is a well-known name. Um, you know, he, he's a well-known name. His reputation, it, you know, hasn't been the best as time. I mean, he, you know, he, you know, he has had his rough edges, but he's also won a lot of races across the board. So I think Kyle Bush could be a in for him. Um, I don't, 
I, I don't think you'll get him a seat at the table, but I think them seeing what he's done for the truck series and knowing that he has ties to NHRA and if his name starts getting out, who knows what other racing series, whether it be IndyCar, whether it be um, IMSA, whether it be USAC, some other, you know, motocross, um, you know, what, you know, they might get him to, you know, they might say, you know, what ideas do you have? You know, toss us some ideas, you know, and NASCAR may consider it. Maybe NASCAR says, hey, you know, we, we kind of done a race at Pocono where we've done the trucks and the cups. We just did a double header at Bristol with the trucks and the cup. You know what? Why don't we throw in a few more double headers with them? You know, we don't start the cup races until three. Why not do the truck races at like, you know, new or at 11? Hey, FS1, you know, Fox, whole day of racing coverage on, on, on FS1 and Fox. So, you know, it, it might actually, you know, might work to the benefit, but. Let's talk about the NHRA. You know, we, we just mentioned about his in-row, you know, his NHRA. And Auto Weekend, an article uh, last November, November 24th, 2020, about the NHRA. And I, I think, Ryan, you read, you looked, you saw this one as well. That's correct. Uh, and it, it talked about um, what he, he did some studies with the NHRA. He looked at the demographics, the race, the, uh, the race diversity, um, family appeal, um, age, gender, uh, race, and diversity. Um, and his, um, per the deal, it was for to get involved with the NHRA, increase the purse, uh, the intendants, he looked at NHRA first NASCAR. And he pointed out NASCAR gets it, gets the same thing. Or he says NHRA gets the same thing. It just gets it over and over a series of days. They get the same people over and over a series of days. And um, and he, he has three boxes and NHRA checked all three of those boxes. Um, he likes that their fan focus on loyalty and commitment. Um, you know, he, you know, one thing about NHRA is you get, essentially you have a pit pass. You can go into the pits. Um, Elliot, I think you've been to an NHRA race, so you mm. might know a little bit more of that. But he, he says the fans are the, are the, are the um, stakeholders, you know, this is, um, you know, he's going to assess everything um, through the through the filter of fans. He's not going to demand, but um, he did mention NH, 
Uh, one thing Sanchari is concerned about, and they both do well, is the health of the teams, but they're also concerned about the B2B, business-to-business transactions that happen inside the sport. Um, so, you know, and, and he's, um, he sees this with NHRA, and uh, Ryan, you looked at the article. What are your thoughts about being the um, the straight line expert you are on this? Well, I think this is going to benefit uh, the NHRA at large sooner rather than later. Like primarily, one, he has the money to be able to invest into the business, which only goes to benefit the drivers and they in turn can, you know, constantly improve their vehicles and you get more competitive and quality racing. And two, now mind you take this with the metaphorical grain of salt, but I've heard rumblings through the internet that there's talk of cross promotion between NHRA and NASCAR. Now, if that's the sort of thing that turns out to be true, those are two very large fan bases that are suddenly going to see a lot more of each other and you got to figure at least a percentage of some point were like, hey, you can might check that out. And on the flip side, the, the NASCAR fans is like, hey, that's some cool stuff going on over there. And they got a lot of different classes. I think I might give that a look-see. I dare say that's a situation where everybody wins. Ryan, so- that's a, a really good point. Um, and that goes back to um, something that Lamona said in uh, referencing – um, an AP article written by Jenna Fryer on October 8th of 2020, um, where Lamona said that he wouldn't have gotten into the NHRA if it was serving essentially the same folks as NASCAR, right? Um, and found, Dave, as you pointed out, um, that in his due diligence, he found that there isn't necessarily a lot of overlap between um, between the two series and, and uh, the fans that that go to um, those respective events. So um, in terms of cross-promotion, um, it's, uh, you know, as, as you talked about, Ryan, it's, it's bringing another set of eyes who are already into motorsports anyway, right? Um, you're interested in seeing something that makes a lot of noise go down the track as fast as possible and beat the other guy in the, in the next lane over right and it's no different than trying to go around a track and try and beat all the other guys and gals that are on the track too right yeah so um there's there's um a fundamental appeal there that can be drawn both ways and i think um given some of the uh some of the the uh the changes and, and updates that um, have been made in particular on NASCAR's side in recent years, it may um, uh, serve to benefit them. Uh, and especially, you know, with some of the things that Lamonis was talking about in terms of uh, the diversity of, of uh, the fan base of the NHRA um, as any, as, uh, as NASCAR is, is really taking some meaningful steps to um, move in that direction themselves here lately. Um, I think that that only serves to potentially bring more fans to NASCAR and it potentially brings more fans to the NHRA 
from NASCAR too. Um, and you know, that's, that's the cool thing about motorsports is that, um, it's the, the tent is big enough for everybody of, you know, all different, uh, motorsport interests and you don't have to have just one. I, I, I think I, I like the idea of cross promotion for sure, because he does that. You can do it. You know, there, there's a few tracks that, that have drag strips, um, and, and the track Bristol, Vegas, um, and Charlotte. Well, and Sonoma I, and Sonoma. So there's, so, so listen, so who owns all those tracks? Those tracks are all, all owned by Brune Smith and SMI. This is where, if he's going to do that, he's going to need to get out to Brune Smith and say, Hey, you got a big race at Bristol. How about we, how about we put on a exhibition throughout the weekend, get some NHRA drivers out there, a bunch of them, and put a $2 million purse up. Oh, yeah, that would yep. be good. You yep. put a, a put up a exhibition $2 million purse race mm-hmm. for that. You will get and and it can be and you know what? He's now doing actually you want to make it more interesting. You you name the he names the class says mm-hmm. this type of car anyone eligible. So hey John Force, you wanna run a gasser? This, it's a gasser class, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Or come on down and let's, you know, run it. Yep. You know, or you know, just all that different stuff. So I think it I I like that. I I I definitely, definitely like that. And yep. I, they throw up a million, two million dollar purse for an invitational race like that to get some exposure to the other uh, or, uh, ownership like that, you'd have NHRA or, teams tripping over each other to get there. Do a It'd be a beautiful thing. Or, yep. or do a four round. You know, mm-hmm. you had used to have IROC, which was International Race of Champions four race series in equally matched cars. Get an equally matched, you know, you say this is the type of car even if it's a regular Dodge Charger, I don't care. You do an equally matched car, same type of car, or same choice of cars, you know, sports cars. You know, let's say four, you know, four, you know, three types of, or three or four types of sports cars. We're going to do this. We're going to do one at Sonoma, one out at Bristol, one at, um, or one at Bristol, one at Charlotte, one at Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Two million purse to the champion and a half a grand for each winner. And half a I'm, mil? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. yes, half a mil. Sorry. Half a mil for yep. each winner mm-hmm. and unlimited entries. You know, line them up. Yep. And you get yeah. Rich Christensen out there from uh, Pink's fame back in the day to uh, do the, uh, well, the arm drops for him. Yeah, you but, might get you might get um, Big Daddy showing up. <laughs> maybe, 
but it's funny you mentioned missionary. Yeah. Yes. Um, but David, it's funny you mentioned um, Lamonis going to uh, the Smiths of uh, SMI ownership um, because, well, it's uh, he has kind of done exactly that here in recent weeks. Um, so a quick backstory on this. Um, uh, so Marcus Smith has, has been uh, uh, kind of taken over the reins of SMI here in recent years. And one of the things that they've worked on is um, trying to get um, an agreement to run uh, the fairgrounds at Nashville. Um, and so he and Dale Earnhardt Jr. in particular um, have uh, really taken the lead on that and um, been working out some things and uh, signed an agreement with uh, the mayor of Nashville not long ago. Um, and so uh, Marcus Smith was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast, the Dale Jr. Download, talking about um, not only the dirt weekend in Bristol um, and the challenges and successes that they had, um, but also uh, the everything that, that went into uh, this Nashville trip and um, what they're seeking to try to accomplish there. Um, and then almost as kind of an aside, it was like uh, an, oh, by the way, you know, um, Marcus Smith, uh, his, his company owns North Wilkesboro Speedway and the property um, that it's on. And Smith said, um, oh, by the way, we're still thinking about stuff to do for North Wilkesboro. Um, and so that turned a lot of people's heads around. And one of those people was Marcus Lamonis. Um, who tweeted um, after that episode came out to tell Marcus Smith to call him. And apparently they had a phone call um, and Smith said um, on Twitter that it was, um, he appreciated the call and, and uh, uh, he was, um, you know, happy to talk with, with somebody else who was as passionate about, um, you know, so passionate about racing as Lamontis is. So um, that, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a future thing like, okay, what happens here? So gentlemen, I pose the question to you. What happens um, with potentially North Wilkesboro and Marcus Lamontis? So David, I'll start with you. Well, I, I gotta say, I, I can see it happening. I can see, and, and I'm going to say it's not just going to be Smith and Lamonis. It's going to also be Dale Jr. involved with this. I would not put it past that Dale Jr. gets involved with this um, as well. I think you're going to see North Wilkesboro um, rebuilt. Um. I don't, I, I think eventually you would see a cup race there going back to the grassroots, but I see, I, I can see it being rebuilt and cleaned up them having races. Um, I, I would say, um, you're either gonna, you know, if, you want to really make make a statement you could um for for that short track you could um maybe get USAC to show up 
with the midgets or the um, silver crown or the sprint guys. Um, it'd be a nice little bull ring for them. But yeah, I I see it happening down the road. Um, I I'm you know once Marcus Lamones gets into something, it, unless it looks like it's going to be a bad deal. He's committed in it until he he's for certain sure that it's either going to be a good deal or it's a bad deal and he walks away. So I see it happening. Ryan? Oh, I 100% see it happening as well. And I also agree to the point of Earnhardt Jr. being involved in it because, let's face it, the Earnhardt name still carries a great deal of weight and respect in the racing world. And I think Lamonis has the good business sense that he will fully utilize that. And I think that North Wilkesboro is prime for racing. And as you pointed out, Dave, you know, he has the business savvy to know a good deal when he sees one. And I think he sees profit written all over that. Yeah. Well, certainly. And Lamonis is stake kind of stake that out um, in terms of what he sees potentially happening um, in Wilkesboro. He tweeted on April 1st, he said, um, Camping World is ready to open store and some other stuff in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Cough, cough, Marcus Smith. So, um, you know, maybe he's looking at, um, you know, not only doing something with the track, but also maybe doing something with the property um, and adding a, um, uh, a, a Camping World store um, uh, facility on that property as well. And, um, you know, I heard some, uh, I thought I heard somebody mention, um, you know, some concerns about, well, you know, Wilkesboro is kind of out there in the middle of nowhere and you've got Bristol not too far away and so on and so forth. But it's important to remember a couple of things. Um, first off the triad area, um, which is, uh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, um, if I'm not mistaken, they have consistently been uh, the highest market in terms of TV ratings for NASCAR racing. Who, who would say something like out in the middle of nowhere? Hey, Oswego Speedway's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in a small city. Spencer Speedway in New York is out in the middle of nowhere. Holland Speedway's out in the middle of nowhere. Um. You know, there's other tracks out in the middle of nowhere. Who would say something like that? That's where you get the best racing. And you know what? People go to them. They don't care how far it is. You put that, up a good race, you're going to it. That is true. And you've got um, a an entire region there in northwestern North Carolina that is steeped in racing going back to the, the days of prohibition, basically. Um, so, um, and the roots of stock car racing. So um, you, you put that together and, you know, you put the longtime interest, um, you know, and the interest of longtime fans. And I think maybe some newer fans too, um, that are kind of getting turned on to um, what, um, stock car racing looked like um, in terms of the tracks um, and stuff that they ran on decades ago um, and saying that looks really cool 
and having some opportunities to see those kind of things with um, with races at Martinsville, um, races at Road America, races at um, you know uh, Watkins Glen. You know some of these places that aren't um, uh, you know that aren't the embodiment of the the more recent. Um, NASCAR that we know, which is a lot of mile and a half, a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of higher speeds, less time on the, on the throttle. No, we want, you know, short track, you know, root, root, gouge, get out the way and, you know, get to the horn, use the, yeah, the whole nine. Um, And, you know, the, the, the fact that the schedules, you know, reflect how they reflect now in terms of going to more road courses, going to more um, short tracks, going to, you know, uh, Fontana turning into a short track, right? Um, And, you know, as well as bringing, um, you know, a dirt track to to Cup in over 50 years, you know, for the first time in over 50 years, that's all testament to it. We're going back to um, what the sport looked like decades ago um, in terms of what they ran. And that's what the fans want to see. Most certainly. So, um, so yeah, the, you know, what, it, you know, how, uh, you know, who they, they bring back or, or, or when, you know, that's, that's a good question, but I'll tell you what, um, you know, you bring the, um, you bring some regional series there, you bring arc or you bring the modifieds, the ground pounders oh. to Wilkesboro. <sighs> good night. <laughs> Uh, put them under the lights that, that that's all i said bring you know what have you sack show up you want yep. you want to see some have you sack show up and help get call up dave to spain and say hey let's do one thursday night thunder kick one more time yep so Yep. Still, the internet's always listening to us anyway. Would you mind forwarding this information onto the powers that be? They'll like this idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we need to get, I, I really think we need to push to get Marcus Lamonis on here. We, we've got some good ideas here. Yep. And Legends, we, the Legends cars. Remember? Oh. Um, what was it? Uh, my, my dad's friend has one. There you go. I, they do that. I, I'll, I'm, he'd be an 80, you know, he's 70 something now. He'd be racing, you know, he'd be racing down on it. Yep. Well, you know what? James Hilton was racing in his 70s, and I'm sure yeah. I think Morgan Shepard is too. So, yeah, know, I say rock and roll. But um, well, one quick point about the Legends cars. I think it was uh, Bruton Smith. I think it was like 12 years ago, 13 years ago. He put up a, um, a purse of $1 million for a Legends race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And there, everybody showed up for it. It was a huge deal. Man. Um, so now, I'll tell you what, you can do the same thing or something like it up at Wilkesboro. Or, or you know what? If you can get talk to Oswego Speedway, throw a little dirt on it, get the World of Outlaws to kick around. That would be a heck of a race. That may be. That may be. But we got a, a you know, we, great conversation. We got to get Lamonis on here. Somebody work on that, please. If you, if you're listening, you know him or, you know, if you're one of these people who actually physically knows him, please 
we, we'd like to have them on, but we got to yep. take a break. We got to get the cartooned, everything set. We've got a green segment coming out and we've got a word from our, about our sponsor. This is from checker to green podcast. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to make your business stand out amongst your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the resources to give your business a leg up on your opponents with design and wow factor to impress your customers. Logo designs to business cards to letterheads, anything that you require to give yourself a real standout appeal. If you're interested in more information, contact Samurai Graphics at Samurai Graphics 716 at gmail.com samurai graphics your business design solution and now we're back from checker to green podcast thank you ryan now the green flag is coming out and we're looking ahead to the to the next nights in racing and this coming weekend we've got a, a big weekend uh, of NASCAR racing at where else Martinsville. Um, and, uh, we got, um, a lot of storylines going into it and, uh, um, a lot of big action coming up. So gentlemen, let's talk about it, man. I, I gotta say uh, the, the first point I gotta say about it, whoever came up with the idea to build a, the wheeling modifieds on Thursday night under the lights at Martinsville. Thank you. Modified yes. racing back at Marnesville under the lights. I mean, we had dreams of this playing in NASCAR. Um, I think it was NASCAR 04 I had, the, the chase for the cup game on, on yep. PS2. And mm-hmm. it was a Marnesville night race with the Modifieds. And yep. for them to get the ground pounders on there, Great job. And then you got the cup race tonight. Tomorrow, you've got an old Saturday night shootout. 500 laps at Marnesville with Logano and Hamlin on the pole. You know the tensions are high. I'm going to say it. You are going to have another first-time winner for the season this year. We will not see a repeat winner at this race. If we do, I will be shocked. But um, I, I think you got a good field. You got Byron and Blaney in row two, Chase Elliott, Ricky Sounds in row three, Truex and Newman in four, Harvick Kozlowski in five, Suarez and Kyle Busch in row six, um, Reddick and McDowell in seven, Busher and Jones in eight, Priest. Dylan and Austin Dillon in nine, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, row 10, row 11 is Bush and D. Benadel, Kurt Bush and D. Benadel. Uh, 12 is Bell and Briscoe, 13, Bubba Wallace and Cole Custer, Chastain and JJ Yealy in row 14, Quinn Huff and Justin Haley in row 15, Eric Amarola and Cody Weir in 16. Um, Cody Weir actually did the Indy 500 test today. Um, the He was one of the 32 cars that partaked in the 
IndyCar test at the Indy at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, you got Balicki and Corey LaJoy in row 17, Alfredo and BJ McLeod in row 18, and James Davidson rounding out row 19. It's going to be great racing. Good pit, you know, pit strategy is going to come into play. Um, breaks are going to come into play. You're going to see cherry red breaks during the race. Um, just because how it is, they did take the grass out in the turns. So you're not going to have to worry about kicking up dirt on the track. So I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. Yep. Um, there's, there's definitely some people that um, have a lot of potential. They're starting close to the front. Um, you know, I look at Harvick and Keselowski in row five straight away. Um, you know, Logano and Hamlin, yes, they have uh, a lot of potential there as well. Um, ditto Chase Elliott, uh, who won Martinsville um, last October to punch his ticket into the, uh, the championship race and ended up winning. Um, so uh, we know he gets the job done here. Um, Truex, I think, has won here before as well. Um, Newman has, has run well here. Um, and, uh, you know, this is his, you know, his kind of track where, you know, it's tough to pass somebody and, you know, he's, he's, he's a tough, tough, uh, tough racer. Um, you know, Ryan Priest um, coming off of the modified race the other night, um, uh, you know, and doing some, some racing over uh, the off, the, uh, the off week. Um, I think he could do potentially well starting in 17th, um, you know, and Michael McDowell, you know, we've talked about him and the 34 team um, and taking advantage of some of these tracks where aerodynamics and, um, you know, engineering and all that stuff isn't necessarily um, as much of a premium as it is at other tracks. Um, this is one of them. And so this is one of those where, um, you know, he's, he's shown that, um, you know, he and that team, um, you know, are, are contenders this year. Um, according to racingreference.info, I think it was, um, he's still, uh, even when you take out the, the wins and all that stuff, um, and the, the playoff seating, he's still 12th in points. I think he's tied with Kyle Busch right now for 12th in points. Um, so this is one of those weekends where he needs a top 10 at minimum, uh, I think, to carry that on. So I'll be looking for that from him. Matt Benedetto, same thing. Um, and, uh, you know, also uh, looking for some of the, uh, the Stuart Haas guys, it's the 14, the 41, and the 10 who start 24th, 26th, and 31st, respectively, um, to, um, you know, put a, a solid race together and start to make a push towards the, the playoffs themselves. Um, they've been off to a pretty slow start this year. Um, and then, you know, could somebody like a Suarez, um, you know, pull off an upset too? It's possible. Ryan, what do you think? I think with the number of people that want to contend for the playoffs, I think this is going to be the type of race where fortune will most certainly favor the bold. And I think, you know, like the Stuart Haas team, I think they're going to be the ones who are going to make the very bold moves in this race to try to at least secure a top 10 finish. If not go for the check in itself. That's, that's kind of what I see going down. 
even with the heavy contenders up front, I still think they have the drive to make the borderline reckless moves to get up front. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like to see um, Suarez win it. I, I think that would be really great for him. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely, you know, it's starting to come around. I mean, and it, it would be really awesome for him to do that. Um, I, you know, Harvick, I think would be good. I, I wouldn't rule out Harvick. Um, you know, I, I could, I could definitely see them doing it. And I, the, the only issue I have with the only thing that's good, um, that could hurt Harvick is Kyle Bush. And that's going back to what happened last year in the playoffs when Harvick needed just one position and he would have been in the, in the, um, final four and he tagged Bush coming out of four. He tried moving him and spun Bush, Bush, uh, Kyle Bush looped it around and Harvick put it in the wall. So I think that's going to be that that's going to be an interesting storyline going into that because Martinsville is a track that, if you want to get your tension, you, you, your your aggressions out, good track to do it at. But remember, it's always going to be you can get shuffled very easily if you get to the outside. You know that that's the one thing. So it's going to be who can run that inside groove the best, and not get harmed if they get pushed to the outside. Yes, sir. Yep. And Martinsville has long been with few exceptions, um, a track where the bottom groove is King. And if you give it up, then you better hope that you can get a run up off the corner and beat the person below you um, and try and get in in the, the next corner, you're going to be in trouble. So um, let's talk about the, um, the Xfinity series as well. They're actually racing tonight. Um, and so look at the starting lineup here. Um, you know, you got uh, Burton Algeyer, um at the uh, starting up front. Uh, you got the 16 and the 18 um, of Amendinger and Hemmer in uh, row two. Um, Haley and Sindrick in row three, Herbst and Gragson in row four, Snyder and Annette in row five. Um, and then behind them, you have um, some of the underdog teams. You got Clements and uh, Ryan Sieg in row six, uh, Landon Castle starting alongside Jeff Burton in row seven, Josh Williams uh, starting alongside uh, Ty Gibbs in row eight, Tommy Joe Martins and Jeffrey Earnhardt in uh, row nine, and then Brandon Brown and Timmy Hill for MBM Motorsports, uh, rounding out the top 20. So, um, uh, 
full disclosure uh the the race is uh ongoing as we're recording this although they're under a red flag right now for rain they've kind of had on and off thunderstorms there all all day and all evening um but um uh gentlemen what are your thoughts well i if they can get through this rain i mean i i see it too 91 laps and brandon jones is leading um if they can figure out, you know, if they can get the rain, I mean, I know, I know they're running under the lights, but how much later do you end up going? Because you're going to, um, you know, these guys, these guys are going to have to get loaded up. Some of these crews actually pit for the cup series, um, you know, some of these crews actually do double duty. Um, I, I'm a little concerned how late you're going to go. If you're going to, you know, if you've got persistent rain, do you then say we're going to have to finish this up because there's there no way at halfway? Um, it's it's what a 250 lap race. Yes. So it's what 125 for halfway. So. You know, if they were more than halfway, then they probably would end up calling it. But um, hopefully the rain passes. But if not, I, I think you're going to see it ran tomorrow during the day to get it in. That is a possibility. But, um, you know, the weather's not looking the best for tomorrow either. Um, so, you know, it might have to be one of those, you know, they get it, they start up at 10 a.m. in the morning and you know get it done get it done as yeah. soon as they can um because uh you know they get through later on into the day into the evening uh, it's not looking too good uh, what what's it for sunday because there's um i may have to dvr sunday sunday's looking pretty nice um i think we should be okay then well mm, kind of coi for me um I will have to watch the Masters, so if they do end up running Sunday, I'm pulling it up on my phone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, uh, I, I'm gonna watch the race on my phone, watch the Masters on TV. There you go. <laughs> so, well, we got some final thoughts, Elliot. Yep. Um, and those final thoughts this week are uh, looking ahead to uh, what will be the dirt race next year at Bristol. Um, and what we thought of this year, what went right, what didn't go right, and how, how and what lessons they can apply to make uh, the Brist Bristol Dirt Race that much better in 2022. So let's talk about it. The first thing is um, they need help from Mother Nature, full stop. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, um, uh, they ran into some exceptional problems um with the weather um with all the rain they had and the flooding and things that that was completely out of their control you know there's nothing that they could do about that um so that i think kind of worked against them um and you know that they had to delay the race a full day is kind of testament to that so um so there's that um but it was also worth noting too um in Marcus Smith's appearance on the Dale Jr. Download, um, he even floated the idea of putting some sort of covering over 
um, Bristol Motor Speedway going forward and ostensibly to kind of keep the um, keep the moisture in um, and keep the track from drying out very quickly. Um, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Do we see that happening next year? And, and if so, um, you know, what does that look like? And, and um, how do they keep that from trapping a bunch of dust inside and so, turning the whole thing into a, a big mess? So I, I don't think a roof's going to work. I, I, I just hate to say it. It's a... Um, well, I don't I think mean, he's looking for... Chili- I don't think he's looking for a roof a la the chili bowl. I'm thinking he's looking for something um, like, like covering. Yeah. Like like maybe look like um like what Hard Rock Stadium has where um they, they've got partial covering over the grandstands or Wembley where it's covering over the grandstands but most of the field's open. You know, if they did something like that, maybe it would work. Um the only the only thing I, I, I think what Marcus Smith needs to do is he needs to um, give a call to the owners of Oswego Speedway up in Oswego, New York. And and here's why. Oswego Speedway, after they um, took down the grandstands um, after the fate of the New York State Fair uh, horse track, racetrack in the grandstands, um, and, and this is for a talk, maybe another time, um, was ending. Super Dirt Week um, decided to, the World Racing Group decided to do it as we go Speedway. And the first year they had it, they had issues with the dirt. Um, they were getting ruts. It wasn't... Um, it, it wasn't a well-groomed track. Drivers were were talking about it not being well-groomed. Um, they, they just didn't get right. So the following year, they said, well, maybe we didn't have enough time to prepare. So they just said, we're going to prepare sooner. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it that. This is how we're going to do it. We made some improvements the first year, um, a new fence in turn three, a new gateway, you know, ways to work it better. And then they took what was good in the first year. They applied it to the second. They improved. And now it's a really good racing surface on dirt. Everyone likes it. It's much better feedback. You get really good racing there. And so now... What, um, so I think he needs to talk to them and say, listen, what did you guys do? How do we do this? Here's the issues we have, because we know it, Elliot, you know, and I in Oswego in the fall, we get rain up there Mm -hmm. and it, it, it can be bad. And they've had rain showers. The first year they had to, they couldn't do much racing when it rained. But now if they get a rain shower, that they can run it. So I think you gotta, I, I think they need to talk to them about that. Um, and, and they will. They, they now know what to do to get it better. 
And one thing, maybe you talk to Tony Stewart as well. Get input from him. He owns Eldora. So I think that's what they got to do. They may, but um, Tony Stewart ain't talking to anybody from NASCAR or Marcus Smith or anybody on the subject of um, uh, how to run a, a better NASCAR weekend on a dirt track anytime soon. Yeah. Not unless um, Eldor is part of the conversation too. I, I um, think Eldor will be back. I think he'll get, they'll get Eldor back, but that's another conversation for another time of that one. Yes, uh, Ryan, what about your thoughts? Honestly, I think it was a good start for bringing the dirt track racing back into NASCAR. And I think one of the important lessons that they should take away from that, as was mentioned earlier, is they got to find a way to control the dust. I have a couple of thoughts on how they could do it, but I don't know if they would be feasible because there'd be a lot of expense involved. If they could rig up a system where around the top of the catch fences around the perimeter of the track if they could set up a misting system where every now and again there'd be a quick light spritz of water onto the dust you know you could keep down the excess without it becoming a sloppy mess but bringing up an irrigation system like that would be extremely costly and so, i just don't see it being feasible for just one race so, or it could be just me being crazy it so happen. what if actually i have another idea what if they use synthetic dirt it's a clever idea and and here's my point greg donnelly who um probably isn't talking much to world racing group um probably talking not much to new york state either because of he was supposed to build this this world-class racing track up in new york state but um he developed an idea of synthetic dirt. He's used it at Wheatsport and Brewerton. Um, he's developed that. It's easy to install. Um, it, it, it's actually to reduce dusting or, or reduce the dust that kicks up and it holds the moisture. W- what about that? Given its polymer qualities that as you said, holds the moisture, that would definitely make it a lot easier to keep the dust down and it's not harmful to the vehicles and most importantly, non-toxic. And they're little pucks, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a feasible idea and I think that'd be something they should look into because it could be implemented at reasonable cost. I think it might be a brilliant idea, sir. Remember, write it down and put your name and date on it so they can't steal it from you. They got to buy it from you now. Yeah, but Greg, Greg Donnelly came up with the idea, so. Yeah, never mind. I, 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 I think he, I think they should. If that, if they're gonna do that, then they need those are the that that's something they gotta do. And maybe you know maybe Marcus Smith you know if he did that maybe Marcus Smith could help him develop his um road course short track dirt track facility up here and get some NASCAR races to central New York if that's the sort of thing that could be produced in large quantity I I think that could you know really change the dynamic of dirt racing at large because if that would be a very very good benchmark test 
if it yeah. could work there, it's like, I bet we can implement this everywhere. You know, food for thought. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, I don't know about y'all, but speaking of food, I'm looking forward to going and getting me a, a few of those Martinsville hot dogs. I don't, what do y'all think? Yeah. I think I that's think, a brilliant idea. I, I, yeah. I think I think we need um, uh, a trip to Martinsville and um, definitely have a hot dog eating contest. Oh, man, let's do it. <laughs> well, I got the um, – I'm I'm going to gas up the car right now. Uh, let's make that happen. But um, for now, this is Ben from Checker to Green. This is Elliot Tardif saying thank you for tuning in and listening to part one. Part two is right around the corner, and we'll see you in that one. I'm David Moy. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for part two. And I'm Ryan Kolpak. Appreciate the, everyone out there that listens to us. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast.